Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Moving Into the Future. Today, we are joined by KJ Kennedy, COO of the Advance Group. Today, we're going to have a conversation about what's going on at the Advance Group, where we are right now, where we're going. KJ is an incredibly talented individual. He's one of the reasons why I am at the Advance Group, so I'm excited to have a conversation today with him. Uh, you know, KJ, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. This, yeah. is, this is my first podcast, so you're popping my cherry here. Hearing my voice in the in the headphones is an interesting uh, an interesting twist to this whole thing. You get used good. to it real quick, yeah. let me tell you. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's interesting that this is your first podcast because you are a man of many talents. And, you know, I've, uh, I've grown to really, really respect you and, you know, enjoy following you on, on social media and even working together. You know, me and KJ are both around the same age, so we have a lot of same interests and, uh, you know, ambitions in life and stuff like that. So he's somebody, like I said, I've always really respected. And, and, you know, I'm interested to talk to him today because even though we work together, we don't really get a chance to like hang out and, you know, have these types of conversations and stuff like yeah. that. Well, we did recently. We at did. At wedding, the wedding was, was awesome. That was which, a great that, that was, you know, you talk about popping the podcast, Jerry. That was like <laughs> popping our party, Jerry. Yeah, <laughs> oh, for sure. That was a party. <laughs> yeah, was it good. was. But, but before we go off on that, you know, KJ, I wanted to find out, because like I said, I really do think you're a talented individual. You are. Um, you know, how did you end up at the advanced group? Because like, the way I see it, you're the type of guy who could really do anything you want. And, um, you know, you're a huge, huge asset to us at the advanced group. So I've always wondered, you know, how did you end up here? What, what did your journey or what path did you take to, to, to end up at the advanced group? Yeah. So my background, uh, was originally in hospitality, real estate and fintech, um, always with a heavy focus in project management. So I came on board at the advanced group seven years ago and I started as a project manager was out in the field. I really got to learn our industry. I got to, you know, we're working with tons of different commercial businesses and a lot of different industries. Um, our project managers are incentivized based on budget efficiency. Right. So I learned how we make money pretty early on. And that kind of set my trajectory to understand, you know, the inner workings of the advanced group. It, being a project manager was probably my second fit or, you know, my favorite role at the time, but second favorite role in the company, uh, you know, opposed to what I'm doing right now. And it really gave me a, a good education on, you know, what we do. Also, early on, I realized that Anthony Parziali has built this sales engine for our organization. I mean, you guys are a machine. And a lot of different companies and industries I've worked in, growing sales, building a sales team, sustaining sales is not an easy feat. You guys make it look easy. I know it's not. Um, and that has always been a major selling point to me. Um, you know, additionally, the, you know, I feel that I have to continue to add value to the advanced group, but the advanced group always adds value back to me. And that's the relationship that we have. The upward mobility that I've seen at the advanced group is another huge selling point and requalifies why I'm at the advanced group. So from being an, uh, a project manager and then moving into an office based role, I also realized very early on that our industry was, or still is in a lot of capacities, very antiquated, mm -hmm. behind the times in technology, mm -hmm. a lot of friction in the workflow process. Um, so when I transitioned into a kind of an office-based role, we were refining process, we were integrating new technologies, we were getting everything to talk to each other. And that was a really, ex those were really exciting projects to work on. Um, and that kind of set the trajectory for my career path. And I think one of the biggest things was really kind of just cracking the back door off of our operational software to get all of the data in what we do and not just manage that on a financial basis, but 
pick apart every department, understand what the metrics are, manage it, you know, not by gut, not by anecdote, which, you know, has been done in the past. Um, and that will get you to a certain level. Right. But for us to become what, you know, the company we are and that we're going to be in the future, you have to be dialed into all of those different components. This company was founded in 1946 by the Malloy family in residential moving. And it truly is the American dream. Yep. Multiple generations, affiliations with large van lines were now Unigroup Mayflower. In 1978, we got into commercial moving um, and that really set the trajectory for us to get into installation services, technology services, logistics, uh, all the things that you talk about on the podcast all the time. And, uh, you know, I'll, the national footprint that we have that's growing per you, OMA, and everything, we'll get into that in a little bit. It's really exciting. And, and just to kind of finish, you know, summarize this whole long-winded answer is it's a very exciting time to be employed by the advanced group. It is. And, and, you know, a lot of people said to me in the beginning, this is not a sexy industry. Nope. I disagree. I'm working on it, though. I, I disagree. <laughs> and, I, you know, we, for, a, for a brief time, or actually a, longer than a brief time, we were warehousing Victoria's Secret's right. Angel Wings. Right, exactly. Those are pretty sexy. I, I, I agree. You know, I, got I to, agree. I got to kind of wear them through the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it, it is. It is. It is a sexy industry. You know, it's um. That's a that's a funny topic in itself. You know, making moving sexy. That was the first thing. Um, I remember when I first got into the industry, and and I was working, and, and one of the guys who owned the company, he's like, you know, how do we make the moving industry sexy? And um, it definitely can be. And you know, you brought it up yourself as far as it being antiquated as an industry as a whole. That's like the most fascinating part of this industry for me because I've had this conversation on the podcast before. Like the biggest innovation in the moving industry in the last like 50 to 100 years is the dolly. Yep. And like, you know, like when you think about that, it's like, how is it that something that happens every single day? I mean, trucking as a whole. And I, I was talking about this with uh, Joe Spisak from, uh, from Soapbox. And like, how is it that it's something that is done every day, yet it just has not gotten up to the times in terms of innovation and technology and everything like that. And, you know, it's all music to my ears, what you're saying and stuff like that. You know, yeah. the fact that you've been here seven years and, and, and you've kind of getting in at that project manager level is so important. You know, it was the same Crucial. thing for me. It is. It is because I remember when I first started too. like I was on trucks, I was on jobs, I was learning the moving industry. So that way, when I was selling it. I knew what I was talking about. And then I took it a step further. You know, I went as far as to, to get on the end user side and like learn that side of things and learn construction and, and furniture and, you know, real estate as a whole, like everything. I want it to be that full package. Yep. And, and um, it, it is so important to do all that. So, you know, to, to see it and to do it. And w w once you started to make that transition into more of an office role and stuff like that, you know, w what was it? And again, see, cause you have a unique mind and we're, we're the same in this type where you don't see things that everyone else does, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and I'm the same way, you know, when I see, when I see areas of improvement, I, I figure out technological solutions to doing mm -hmm. it. You know, technology is our, is our tool to make life easier. So what was it that when you started to get in that, that into those office roles that you saw that allowed you to start making changes and, and innovating the company and, you know, making it easier for everybody, whether it's project managers, whether it's accounting, whether it's sales, to operate more efficiently? Yeah, so that's a great question. And the answer lies in your question as well. So, like, when we look at a problem in the industry, 
first of all, coming in out of this industry is really helpful and almost a secret weapon. Yeah. Because when you sit down with any department, it could be... Sorry. No, no worries. Be careful doing that. Oh, I'm, I apologize. Yeah, I talk yeah, with my hands. Yeah. I just married an Italian, so it's, running, <laughs> yeah. it's wearing off of me already. I'm a New Yorker. You can keep that in, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. an imperfect person. It's all person. good. It's all good. <laughs> Sorry about that. I would have maybe sit on my hands. Yeah. No, um, you can do it, but it's yeah, just... So yeah, so when we're, when we're looking at a problem, um, I think it's really important for us to dissect it. And when you're asking questions and people say to you, this is how it's always been done. Right. That's a terrible answer. Terrible. Right. And then what I want to do on my end is I want to overcomplicate it. I want to dig into it. I want to find every reason why we're doing what we're doing. If we need to add technology, we add technology. Once we overcomplicate things by just kind of dissecting it, then we want to simplify it almost to an extreme. Right. So I see a lot of people that, you know, some even some competitors that are trying to get involved with simplifying, but they're really just overcomplicating right. way too much. Exactly. So what we have to do is dissect everything. We have to look at it. We have to put the pieces together and say, what's the easiest way to get this done? And I think we could do that through technology, through people, um, finding the right, you know, I want to take a moment here just to say that my success and our company's success is predicated on the people that are at Advance. 100%. We are surrounded by incredibly talented people, and I could not do my job if it wasn't for them. Uh, and this is from ground level of our labor to all of our supervisors to our operations team in many different facets, whether it's coordinators, dispatch, uh, warehouse staff, our accounting department, um, our internal and external project management, everybody out in the field. I'm still doing it with my hands. Um, yeah, so, uh, we just, I learn from them every single day and, uh, you know, it's, we, we have a great team. Yeah, I agree. And see, that's another thing about the moving industry as a whole. It is, it, it's human centric, Yep. you know, it's, it's again, one of probably the few industry where when you do a project, there could be up to like 50 people involved, Yes. like, you know, which is that doesn't really happen anymore. You know, there's, there's a lot of technology that that's created solutions where humans aren't needed anymore, but moving is such a human centric business. So you're always going to need that until, you know, and again, I've talked about this on the podcast, you know, we go like full robotics or something, which is far off. You're going to need humans to do certain things within that process. So that's why it's important to have technology that props it up. And I agree with you, the people at the advanced group, again, it's why I'm here, um, are, are really impressive. And, it's buy-in too, you know, everybody's bought in, everybody's bought into the mission. You can rely on people to do their jobs because again, I think that's one of the things since you've taken over, uh, you know, full-time as COO is the, the, the project management level has really, really, you know, hit a, hit a level of- Mario Lazari is an incredible yeah, director yeah, of project management. You know, and, and all of our guys, you know, they operate very efficiently. They know their role. And in my role too, you know, I know how to set them up. The coordinators know how to set them up. You know, it's, it's just a very refined process from everybody involved that, that makes it easy for, yeah. for us and our clients. And, um, you know, this summer I had a pretty big summer and uh, very busy, a lot of projects and You're doing I mean, great, man. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and, uh, we're rolling though, you know, we're rolling we and see, this is why I can do great though, is because when I book a project, the project gets done. Yep. And then I don't need to worry about that project after it's done. I don't need to be going back and, you know, negotiating with the client on price because of change orders or stuff like that, or, or, you know, there's, there's lost or broken items. Like we're not seeing that. So like that allows me to operate more efficiently on my end. And, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, 
it's why it it's why it's a great job yeah. and you know it's a great company and it, and it works so well um but you know prior to you coming on as coo you know you were in an admin role career what i had was like it? seven different positions yeah you here. did right so yeah but yeah. but see when i came on so i came on during the pandemic and at that time what what were you doing that it was more of like so, a, a vp of operations or something along it was those lines. a vice president of administration right that's what it was, was about two years ago that's what it was and you know, that was such an interesting time for the company as a whole, too, because I tell people this a lot. You know, that was the first time I could imagine ever where, like, moving stopped, you know? Yeah. And, like, the, the industry stopped, supply chain stopped. And that's, like, right when I started. Yeah. And, um, you know, it didn't really affect me because I just find ways to make it happen. But for you at that time, you know, what did that look like? You know, yeah. what, cause again, you have this leadership role and, and yeah. you have a, you have a problem solver mentality. Yeah. So, you know, when you see that happening, what are you doing? You know, what are you, that was a, yeah. a really interesting time. Um, so yeah, I had been, it was about two years ago. I was promoted to vice president of administration and that was my first executive role in the company. So it was a bit of a stretch position. I was completely prepared for it to the extent that I could have been prepared for it. But anyone that's taking the jump into an executive role is, you know, is going to have discomfort going yeah. into it. So that was two months before the pandemic broke out. And uh, if you asked me while that was all unfolding, I, I would have told you it was the most difficult obstacle in my career to date and probably still was the most difficult uh, obstacle in my career to date. However, in retrospect, when we look back on the pandemic, it was there was a lot of benefits in that time period. Right. And when it first hit, you know, a lot of different things happened. Um, you know, what we focused on was, you know, th there was obviously a lot of health care. All of our major uh, sources of income, so our, big, our MAC moves, our commercial moving, our installation projects, some of these good, you know, big, big uh, installation you know, carpenter projects, all came to a grinding halt. Mm -hmm. So as a problem solver, solver, we all got together and recognized pockets of, of opportunity in the logistics uh, world. So we had done logistics before. Logistics has always been a presence of ours. But we dove head in and pivoted into logistics. You know, we did, got involved in some of these pop-up hospitals, whether it was Jacob Javits yep. Center, Stony Brook. We did ventilator distribution uh, for quite a bit. Um, warehousing space became in incredibly valuable to us because everyone needed their things stored. Uh, even in offices, we did a lot of decommissions, things like that. Um, we even had requests that were pretty wild. I mean, it's scary, uh, you know, refrigerated trucks for bodies yeah. and yep. things like that, which yep. were, you know, one, we're not, we weren't comfortable with that. And two, I, I don't think that we had the proper credentials to be, to be doing stuff like that, but that was how serious things got. Um, and then, you know, we were focusing on our teams, making sure our, our employees were okay during that time. Um, after the health scare kind of fizzled out a bit, we used that time, and, and I, I have to give credit to, uh, you know, our executive team getting together and making sure there was programs for our employees to stay fully employed. And, for, you know, for the record, we came out of the pandemic with zero forced layoffs, which is, uh, which is a, an incredible feat for a company to Absolutely. do Absolutely, small size. business, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you know, but we focused, we took that time as productive time. We further dug into our process. We further integrated our technology. We focused on pain points in our business. And not every company has the opportunity to operate in a growth state and hit the pause button 
and say, all right, let's focus on everything internal so that when we emerge from this, we're in a, a position of strength. Right. We did that. Yeah. We further integrated our uh, inventory process. We looked at the warehouse. We dug deeper into our numbers. We upgraded personnel. We further trained. We tried to anticipate where the puck was going. And again, I mentioned logistics-based business, which is huge for us. Absolutely. Right and that was really crucial for us. We emerged out of the pandemic, and I feel like we're kind of on the other side of it now. I, yeah. I hope I'm going to touch the yeah, table yeah, and not go here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, at this point, you know, we're in a position of power, and I'm really proud to say on this podcast that uh, our July was a record month. Yep. We started our business in 1946. We just came off of the biggest month revenue-wise that our company has ever done. Love it. And not many companies came out of the pandemic in such a position of power. So I'm very proud of that. Um, it, it's, it's great. Yeah, no, it is. And, and again, it's kudos to you. Kudos to Anthony, the entire executive team. I have to say it's our, it's our entire company. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, I, yeah, I cannot take credit. I was going to say though, of, but of, that's yeah. the thing. It's, it's, you know, it's the buy-in that we talked about before, you know, people, it's a tough business to be in the moving industry. And, you know, I think that's why so few people do it. But, you know, once you get into it, it's um, you see the impact that you can have, you know, whether it be through operations or through sales or, or you know, you, you see what you can do with it. And it's it's limitless. And, you know, you talk about logistics and I wanted to talk about warehousing, too, because you mentioned, you know, the scarcity of warehousing. And like I actually saw you post an article about it or maybe you commented an article uh, uh, that Joe posted about the scarcity of, of, of warehousing and how that bubble is, is, yeah, is about to pop on that. And like, see, you do a lot of work on that too, because you're always looking for new opportunities. I know we moved some of our stuff in New Jersey to another warehouse. Um, just a pivot real quick yeah. on that. You know, what do you think on that, especially in the tri-state area specifically, and even Florida too, because you know, Florida is a very interesting market, specifically from a logistics standpoint. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? The, the like the Amazon effect of warehousing and, and what that means for us. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you hit all the major points. Um, industrial real estate is through the roof right now. And we saw this happen in, in the pandemic and you could have predicted it, right? Because you have direct to consumer, you have, um, you know, people can't physically go into right. stores and they buy don't want things. So yeah. people, are, you know, warehouses are holding inventory. Mm -hmm. um, the interesting thing for us is that, you know, I've looked at a lot of real estate in the tri-state area, and we've talked to a lot of our OMR partners about, you know, in major cities. And private equity has moved into the industrial real estate market. Fascinating. It is fascinating. They're buying up large portfolios. They're creating beautiful warehouses, 30-foot clear. I mean, when you work in logistics, you want it, You want that elevation. Right. You want to go up. Yep. You know, long, you know, our Long Island facility, um, you know, you don't see many buildings that are 30-plus feet on Long Island. In Jersey, you see it kind of commonly. Um, either way, those private equity firms are looking for Amazon rent. Yep. And, you know, when we were out and we found that opportunity in Newark, so real estate strategy is a huge part of my role in right. making sure that we are strategically, uh, geographically placed, but also that we're keeping our margins in place for, for warehousing. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I think that we're going to see, and this is all speculation. I, right. I don't, I, I don't. No, I'm but just, you, again, you're involved in it and you look at it and you, you have an educated guess. If yeah. You will. I think that these, these equity firms or even developers, I mean, whomever, you know, they may be caught holding the bag because Amazon's not going to purchase every single no, warehouse. No. 
the advanced group is not going to pay $25 per square foot, That's $20 insane. per square foot. I mean, it's out of control. Yeah. And, you know, we've gotten very creative. We have, you know, Willie Becker, I'll plug you on this, is a phenomenal uh, commercial real estate broker. We have done some incredible deals with him. I'm lucky that I've been involved with the advanced group for as long as I've have because we've done some very creative things to offset our, our warehousing costs. And our portfolio, you know, is strong and we have future plans to grow our portfolio. Um, but I, I'm very interested to see how the, the industrial market will, you know, will evolve. Right. And who's going to be caught holding this back. Right. Because, because you know, businesses like us are not going to pay those prices. Amazon will. Yeah. But Amazon can't take all the space. And, you know, you know, it's, it's... It's already happening. Right. Exactly. It's already happening. And, and I, I know it from a few projects that are going on on Long Island and New Jersey, where they were these large 30, you know, 30 foot clear warehouse spaces that were, you know, the developer or the equity firm only wanted one tenant in there and now they're demising it up, they're yeah. chopping it up. And, uh, and it's a clear indicator that they didn't get what they wanted right. in that capacity. So that will go into play for our future portfolio strategy. And, uh, and you know, if they're caught with their pants down, we're going to move in. Right. And this kind of segues nicely into what I wanted to talk about next is, is in terms of, you know, what, what we see for the future. Cause again, you know, being at our, in our position professionally, we still got a long way to go. We do. And, um, you know, we're, even though we are seeing this, this, this current success to, to some level, um, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg as far as the way I see it. Um, you know, where, what are you working on, you know, right now currently for the next one to three years? And, um, you know, let, let's also talk about where we see things going in, you know, five, 10 years and stuff like yeah. that too. So that's the most exciting part it I think, of, of our of our jobs and everyone involved at the advanced group. Um, you know, the canned answer from a chief operating officer is going to be sustainable growth. That's my answer, but it's also the truth. <laughs> but I want to unpack it a little yeah. bit and explain why. Um, my job is to uh, show bottom line performance. Right. Your job is to show top line performance. Right. Right. We have to do this dance. So in order for us to sustain the growth and the rate that we're moving at, I have to be able to work with my team at the velocity in which you guys are growing top line sales so that we can gain the capacity on the uh, on our front and in, through investment to manage your sales. Right. And this is the 3, 5 and 10 year plan um, and I'm, you know, we're getting much better at this dance. The it's fickle because at any point in time any one of our heavy hitting salespeople could bring in a six or seven figure project right. where our warehouse requirements are just blown through the roof and right. we have to go out and find new space. Yeah, I mean, you know, we deal with that now. We deal with it right now, right? But there's, you know, the, then there's the organic growth. Uh, and, and that's done through our local markets and then our national and global markets. If we make the investment too soon on our footprint, you know, warehouse, personnel, equipment, technology, if we do it too fast, then we're holding too much expense and we blow our margin. I'm not, that means I'm not doing my job properly. Right. If we do it too slow, then your rate of sales uh, is going, I'm not going to have the resources to service right. for you guys. So that blows up relationships. So the whole dance, and again, I was talking about using data and not going anecdotal or gut feeling. We have to put all of this into one big formula to figure out where exactly we're going to be going. And that's a dance that we're getting much better at. 
and we we leverage a lot of relationships and partnerships to get there. You know, a, a huge part of my role is hiring people. Um, I take it very seriously, uh, and and that goes and and anyone who works with us will know. I I get involved with 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 hiring anywhere from labor movers, warehouse yeah. inventory tech up to executive positions. You and I, you know, we had you know a Dead couple cocktail. interviews before you came yeah. on, and I think the people in our organization is what's going to breed that success. Absolutely, and it's the only way we can solve these types of problems. Um, so yeah, I think you know if we look at ten years, that's such a long time period. That's the one that excites me the most because I know we're going to be here in ten years. Right. Um, we have that. We have more than that in our career left, and you come into play in a huge way in that ten year growth. So, if, and we can talk a little bit about OMA, but you know wh what I want to say about OMA is leveraging our national and global footprint is going to give us exponential growth. Exactly. When we look at our backyard in our local markets. We get involved in acquisitions, mergers, things like that. That accelerates organic growth at a much quicker pace than us just acquiring more clients. Right. That can get us from A to B. But in order for us to hit the 10-year goal, we need to leverage those, those relationships through OMA and through Unigroup. And OMA has, growing, has been growing at triple-digit yeah. percentages. Yeah. So what I'm going to say confidently is if we can continue to leverage those relationships, the advanced group could realize triple digit growth in that 10 year time frame, And that is directly done through our OMA network and our Unigroup network. And the beauty of it for me in my position is that I don't have to make those investments right, right. in the brick and mortar, right. in the labor, in the technology. We leverage all of our other partnerships. Mm -hmm. They benefit from it as well. Absolutely. And then you know, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing and it's the, it's the formula to exponential growth. Yep. So in 10 years, we're going to have another episode. Oh, before that, but yes, I know we'll, we'll do a, like a time cast episode. But um, <laughs> mark my words, yes. um, you know, cause triple digits is a big number. That's yeah. like anyone could come on here and say, I'm going to have triple digit right, growth, right. but you know, with the plans that we have. Um, and then there's the one last thing I want to talk about is that or at least in, in, in relation to, you know, where we're going, the pandemic changed the consumer. Mm -hmm. We recognize that. There are pockets in logistics right now, and I'm not talking about Amazon, Overstock, Wayfair, right. pick and pack operations, 3PL operations. That's not necessarily our business model. I'm not saying we'd never do business like that, but there are opportunities in the logistics markets right now that are incredibly exciting to me and everybody that we work with I'm not quite ready to talk about exactly what the details are yet because we are moving into where the puck is going. Right. That was a sound effect. <laughs> uh, we're I, I'm so bad with my hands. No, we're cool. moving to where the puck is going, and I am incredibly excited about the logistics work. That's not to take away from the fact that we are commercial movers. We are we do the math. Right. It's just one more. Yeah, no, stuff. it's just one more branch of our business. And you're absolutely right. You know, I mean uh, – Again, we talked about it with the pandemic. It's changed logistics, and it's it's something that needed to change. You know, we saw through the pandemic the way it was being done was antiquated. Again, we talk about that word. And, um, you know, we as the advanced group have been able to um, benefit from that in the sense that, we, you know, we've pivoted and, and created a new um, branch of our business that is you know, from a financial standpoint, significantly advantageous, Yeah. Uh, you know, which is great for us. And again, you know, you talk about the OMA branch of that. See, I had known about OMA, and again, I've talked about it on the podcast for a long time. 
And I've always, I know the competitors out there, you know, I know the other national global move management companies that, that operate. And I always thought OMA was the best specifically for that reason of partnership and having brick and mortar locations in these, these local markets and having local market knowledge and being able to operate jobs efficiently in any market because of the partners that exist there. I was like, that's the way to do it. I know it from being in the industry. I know it. And like, you know, when I'm, when I'm on the end user side, I'm like, this is what's going to work best, especially if you're talking about, you know, either a a business that is um, already has, you know, a large footprint in many different markets, but also those fast growing businesses where you need solutions very quickly. You don't have time to, to, you know, be working around with different vendors and stuff like that. It works phenomenal. Yep. For those type of companies. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that's why I'm, I'm so bullish on it as a whole. And now that I'm involved in OMA, you know, I started that young leaders group. We had a meeting yesterday. Um, like that's huge. That's huge. Absolutely. These are the relationships that I'm creating, you know, you and myself as well. Um, these are the relationships that we're creating for the next, you know, 20, 25 years um, that are just going to benefit us. And, and, you know, you talk about that triple digit growth. Um, you know, that is exponential growth that, that we have available to us, you know, through these relationships that are being founded. And, um, you know, the, the, the foundation of OMA is already there. And not even there, like we're flourishing now. We're in a state of totally. straight flourishment. And again, from being at a fast growth company already, um, you can see the same, you know, parallels with, with OMA. And um, it is really just like remarkably exciting, especially for me. And, 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 and not only that, but then you see our competition, which is like really struggling in a lot of areas. You know, they, they're, they're certainly not flourishing the same way OMA is. And um, it's going to be interesting, specifically in the next like five years, what like the market share really becomes. And, and not just for OMA, but the advanced group as well, because, and I don't love giving away secrets on the podcast, but, you know, they can know, <laughs> you know, uh, as far as the competition goes in New York, there's probably, there's probably, you know, 50 commercial movers or so in New York City who, who operate. And you could also include installers in that as well. Like five of them, maybe not even 10, offer national global move management services, which is huge. And again, none of them, even if they do, have the foundation of OMA behind them. You know, which... OMA is our biggest customer. Exactly. And we're, we're exactly. a founding member of yep. OMA. OMA. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Parziali's on the board. Right. You're very involved. Jeff Silverstein is very involved. Um, you know, OMA is is phenomenal. Yeah. And I mean, I mean Mark and Viv, and, you know, they're they're very well respected in the industry. They're doing a lot of work. We we get a lot of work from OMA. We give a lot of work, you know, Absolutely. out. It's, it's, it's a really good relationship um, that I'm excited about. And, you know, you're coming to Scottsdale this year. That'll be yeah. a, be a fun trip. That'll be the it. annual. There's going to be like 300 people there, which is insane. It's great. I mean, it really is. It's it great. really is. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. And, you know, not only that, but I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, you know, you got a lot of different things that you work on. And I think for our listeners who've, who've heard KJ talk, you can see he's an incredibly talented guy. He does a lot of different things. <laughs> I was at Make his house. Blush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was at his house for his wedding and he's got a beautiful house there on the, on the South shore. Um, but you're working on there. You got, he, oh, I got to say this. He is a unbelievable cook. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my father growing up, that. my father growing up is is a very good cook. You know, we, we cook a lot of Italian. I saw you were cooking the meatballs the other oh, day yeah. too. Well, I married a Sicilian. That, I got, oh, if I don't right. nail the meatballs, then I'm out. 
I was looking at them and yeah. I was like, wow, those are some, those are some Italian meatballs yeah. right there. Cause you did it with the, you had the, you had the veal or what was it? I had, I had, uh, I had beef, I had pork, I had pancetta, pork, that's which, is, what it was. which is beef as well. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Went in hard on the, on the meatballs. <laughs> that's it. And then you got yeah. that Traeger, that green, yeah. green egg there that yeah, you do that. Yeah. Uh, I got to have some of that brisket. You come out. You I'm telling out. you, I'm telling you, you. but out. yeah, no, he, I mean, this guy, he does like a, uh, he started a business fire Island catching cook. He's making hot sauce offering that how's that going for you all it's right going great i mean yeah. it's a passion project right. you know it's right. not um you know i love fishing i love hunting i, I love cooking I, I mentioned before hospitality you know is, is my roots i started working in hospitality when i was 12 years old at a you know at a pizza shop actually and i think my the biggest lessons i've ever learned in business from hospitality, 100%. service. I yep. mean, I was a bartender for a really well, different long time. levels of the process too. Hundred percent. And see, that's the thing. I was in hospitality too in college, yeah. and um, that's what I went to school for. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I uh, went to school for film originally, and then, you know, I didn't know that, that either. I, was, I love I, that. I, yeah, I, I'm like, you know, I'm an enthusiast. I You're like a Renaissance a lot of man. You're a Renaissance. <laughs> yeah, man. I appreciate the compliments. <laughs> um, well, well, oh, but operating those different levels, you yeah. got, you know, you got the cooks, you got the bussers, you got the expediters, you got, you know, yeah. all of the people in between there. Expediter's a tough job. It is. I've done it. Yeah, it is. And like, you know, handling the line there and stuff like 100%. that, you know, it's, um, it's interesting and in how that correlates to moving a Bar little bit. Bartending to me was the best lesson in business. Really? Because it, it really, if you can handle a bar, a busy, busy bar that's four or five deep, you could pretty much handle anything in business because yeah. you have to understand people. You have to be able to read them. You have to have the confidence to keep them, you know, if, if you're busy, you have to acknowledge them. Right. They got to know you're there. Right. You know, and you work through the crowd and, uh, you know, you, you talk to a lot of different people who work in a lot of different industries. And I just think that that was probably one of the best, uh, you know, grooming positions that I've ever had. I've been fortunate enough to have a few really good mentors. Anthony Parziali is one of them. Um, and I think, you know, the, the hospitality bit, and I love when I see resumes with someone worked for a hotel chain yep. or a restaurant yep. or something like that, you know, you can tell when you meet somebody, when you go out to eat with them, if they've worked in hospitality or not, yeah. just by the way they interact with staff. Right. Well, that's a telltale sign. And I'm, gra it? I gravitate towards the people who work in hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. No, that was, um, I've, I've had the same career path, you know, working in pizza places, working in restaurants. I've worked for catering businesses. And um, it is an important role to have and see, you talk about how people treat, you know, wait staff and stuff like that. I, uh, I've had to like break off friendships because they're, they're, you know, <laughs> jerks yeah. to, to wait staff it's and stuff not, like that. Yeah it's, a, yeah. it's not good. Not a good way to not be. Not a good way to be. Um, but yeah, man, you work on a lot of different stuff. You got the plug there with the, um, These are my buddies. Soldier soldiers. Old yeah. soldiers. They're great. I, I got to tell you, they are an incredible, uh, company. They, my two best friends, James and John started right. old soldier when we were in college. Actually, they started a clothing brand in high school and, uh, you know, they have grown at an exponential rate right. as well. I they're mean, in the J Crew, they just were featured catalog. in J Crew. Yeah. They're they're big in Japan. Um, you know, both of them have have full time jobs. Uh, James works for uh, VaynerMedia. He works for Gary Vaynerchuk. Really, which is very cool. Yeah, um, he's been an employee of Gary for a very long time. Um, he was my he gave the speech right. at my wedding. Right, did a great job. Did a great job. Um, but yeah, these guys are really impressive. Uh, check them out, old soldier. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's cool, man. So, you know, you know, like I said, you're a talented guy. You're, Appreciate you know, it. I'm really uh, lucky to be working for you. We're working with working you. I should with say, me. Yeah. Working yeah, with yeah. you. I um, want to say also that I, I work for everybody at our company. Yeah. Right. And, and I, and I, I, I think, you know, taking a humble approach like that is important because, um, you know, we couldn't do what we do without our people. Mm -mm. 
Um, and, and that's, that's my main focus is when I show up to work, like, what can I do for my team? Right. And, you know, again, just reiterating what I said before, you know, the, the, the level of performance at the advanced group, since you've taken over as COO and, you know, my eyes has, has been significant and I am, um, you know, I'm a pretty heavy critic. You know, if I see something wrong, you know, I don't, I don't shy away. From I know speaking that too. Up. And I yeah. appreciate that. Right. Exactly. And, um, but you know, you really don't hear from me unless it's good news, yeah, yeah. you know, which yeah. is good stuff. So yeah. You know, KJ, thanks for joining us today. I'm thanks excited for, for the me. future. No, it's my pleasure. I'm glad we got to do this. It's been on the uh, agenda for a while, cool. and, this, and this was great. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening. Looking forward to next time.